0: Blessed be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through him we are redeemed, we are forgiven, we are saved. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Ash Wednesday, the beginning of our Lenten series. And for those who are worshiping with us online, blessings to you as well. Uh, tonight's going to be familiar, but there are going to be some changes. Uh, regarding announcements. This is Ash Wednesday, and I just want to give you a little background on Ash Wednesday because not everybody is familiar with it. So, Ash Wednesday, it's the name given to the first day of the season of Lent where a pastor or a layman applies ashes to the forehead of Christians to signify an inner repentance. The ashes are normally applied to the forehead in the shape of the cross, while these words are spoken from Genesis 3.19, For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. These words from Genesis remind us of Adam and Eve's willful choice to rebel against God and choose sin. These words indicated to our first parents the bitterest fruit of their sin, namely death. In the context of receiving a cross with ashes on Ash Wednesday, we are reminded that all mankind is sinful and will taste death and return to ashes. However, the cross reminds each penitent sinner of the good news that through Jesus Christ crucified, there is forgiveness for all sins, all guilt, and all punishment. That's just a little bit of background on Ash Wednesday. Is it mandated in the Bible? No. It's not. It is a tradition of the church. So, this is not mandatory that anybody tonight receive ashes. It doesn't make you any better or worse. Receiving ashes simply is a symbol, then, that, yeah, we are mortals and we are sinners before God, but yet we have the promise of Christ Jesus and his cross. That's Lent. That's Ash Wednesday. It is a journey from death to life. So, that's all we have for announcements tonight. We'll save them for Sunday, right? We're going to keep this a little bit different. Will you please stand as you are able? We begin this time of worship in the holy name of God, in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Together, please, are called to worship. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointing. And let's lift our voices in song this evening with Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Tis
1: so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take. us all for grace to trust him more. Oh how sweet to trust in Jesus just to trust his cleansing blood just in simple faith to plunge me neath to trust him more, I'm so glad I learned to trust the precious Jesus, Savior. Trust him
0: more. May be seated. We'll have our time of prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you evermore for the gift of life you have given us in Christ Jesus, our Savior. We thank you that through his blood, we are washed clean. We are renewed. We are a new creation. We thank you for this precious, costly gift that you have so freely given to us. And so we praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. And Lord God, we come before you tonight. We carry the burdens of our friends and our family and our loved ones who are in need of healing. We lift them all up to you. As incense goes up into heaven, our prayers go up to you. We take a moment of silence to reflect on all of our loved ones who are in need of healing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift up tonight those who are in darkness, in darkness for so many things, who are ensnared and entrapped by sin, in addiction, with pornography, with greed, with contempt for their fellow man. We ask for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to break hardened hearts tonight, to soften them to the love, the grace, the mercy, and the redemption that is found in Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, we pray tonight for those countries who are in war, for animosity, so great that it kills one another. We ask for peace to reign. We lift this up, Lord, in your mercy. We pray for all of the churches throughout the world that they may be beacons of your light, that they will truly shine brightly in the night to proclaim the gospel of Christ Jesus to a world hurting in sin. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for all pastors that they may stand firm in the pulpit, that they may unflinchingly, in love, speak your truth. And we pray for all who hear That they might become followers of Christ Jesus, willing to die to themselves and live unto Christ. Lord, in your mercy. And gracious God, we pray for our nation. We pray that there would be repentance so that there would be salvation. Instead of judgment, your favor. Lord, in your mercy. And we lift this all up in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. And now we have an introduction to ashes. Dear ones in Christ, it was the custom in the early church to prepare for the suffering and death of Christ. All right, that's going to do that. Okay. Let's see if I can do it. Uh, on Good Friday, and the celebration of the resurrection of the Lord with special worships and acts of repentance and faith. Believers were invited to increase their prayer, to fast, and increase their private meditation to begin this journey of repentance and as a reminder of our mortal nature. Let us now humble ourselves before our Lord, our Maker and Redeemer. Will you please stand as you are able? and lets us, as a body, confess our sins. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening to ask for your forgiveness. We have sinned against you and against ourselves and need your cleansing. We have tried to do what is right, but have not been able to keep our way pure. We know that we are to put to death the deeds of the flesh, yet the old nature dies hard. We need your tender touch and your cleansing grace to help us stand in your presence again. Thank you for your forgiveness and mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. You may be seated, and I will give an absolution after the receiving of ashes. going to want to just go forward tonight. So there you go. So during the receiving of ashes, you will come up one at a time, as it were, for communion. And I will put a little cross on your forehead. Again, this this is optional. You don't have to. This is a reminder of who you are before Christ and the promises of Christ Jesus. And I will say, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You are dust, and to dust you shall for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. For your dust, and to dust you shall Shall return.
2: On a hill far
1: away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and exchange it someday for a crown (coughs) in that old (coughs) rugged cross stained with blood so divine a wondrous beauty I see for it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pause last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown to the old rugged cross I will ever be true its shame and reproach glad Then he'll call me someday To my home far away Where his glory forever I'll share So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling Exchange it someday for our
0: crime. Having confessed your sin, having received ashes, showing an outward sign of an inward penance, I declare to you the wonderful. Loving news that Christ declares that you, your sins are forgiven. Amen. And now we'll have a sharing of God's word. I did, for those who are interested, I also did sermon notes for tonight. So if you're interested in that, they are available. They're just turn around and they're in the pew.
3: Our first reading is from Genesis 3, verses 8 through 19. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Our second reading is from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
0: Will you please stand as you are able for a reading of the gospel. The gospel is from Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 67. And his father, Zachariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of This is the word of the Lord. And now let's lift up our voices in song. This one might not be as familiar to people. We have sung it before. It's called By Faith. It's by the Gettys.
1: In the minds of those who prove his faithfulness, who walk by faith and not by sight. By faith our fathers from the earth, with the power of his promise in their hearts, of a fall. We will stand as children of the promise. We will fix our eyes on him, our soul's reward. Till the race is finished and the work is done. We'll walk by faith and not by sight. By faith the church was called to go the power of the Spirit to the lost, to deliver captives and to preach good news in every corner of the earth. By faith the mountain shall be moved. We will stand as children of the promise. We will fix our eyes on him, our souls reward. Till the race is finished and the work is
0: done,
1: we'll walk by faith and not by sight.
0: Be seated. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock, my Lord, my Redeemer. Amen. So when you go to a funeral, they tend to be pretty somber things. Especially when you get to that one phrase, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's a very somber moment in a funeral because it reminds us of our own mortality. But it's more than that. When you take a look at Genesis, it's not just our mortality, it is mortality because of sin. And because of sin that there is death. But in any funeral where it's preached by a Bible-believing, Christ-centered, gospel-focused preacher, it should never leave you there, should it? There should always be that promise of hope, of life, and life everlasting. That's the journey in a funeral. That's the journey of Lent. That is the journey for all of us in our walk of faith. Because we are not just left with the proclamation, you are dust and to dust you are returned. You are left with the proclamation of hope, of hope in Christ Jesus. In the face of death and destruction, in the face of the curses of evil, a promise was given back in the garden, a promise of hope found in Jesus. That's really the story of Genesis chapter 3. Yes, there is the curse of sin, but there is the cure of Jesus. And that's our journey that we're going to take this evening in this message. The curse and cure of sin. We're going to see the curse of sin on Satan, the curse of sin on man, and then we will end with the cure of sin in Jesus. So we're going to begin... With Genesis, we're going to focus on Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. So just a section of our reading. And we're going to begin with the curse of sin on Satan. It says this, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. So when God says, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, God's not trying to make a comparison between a snake and a horse or a cow or sheep or fish or any such thing. He's not saying that you're worse because you're not a cow or sheep or a horse. He is cursing the serpent, not because of what the serpent is, but because of who the serpent represents. And the serpent represents who? Satan. So God is putting a curse on Satan. And he says to the serpent, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust for the rest of your life. Kind of an odd thing to say, isn't it? Why on your belly? Why eat dust? Well, you've heard it said, eat my dust, right? You normally see it in movies where one macho teenager is going to, you know, try to win or a guy. It's normally a guy, right? Come on, let's admit it. We haven't learned anything from the garden. So eat my dust, right? It's a declaration I am going to win no matter what. You are going to be in the dust. When God says... To the serpent, you shall eat dust. It's a perpetual reminder of the serpent's crime. And it was to crawl on its belly and eat dust for the rest of its life. And that was also a reminder that this curse is a proclamation of Satan's defeat already in the garden. God already declared Satan's defeat in the garden. Now, we might hear the phrase, eat my dust, as a common modern saying, but I don't know if you know this, in Scripture, it's actually there, not only in the garden, but in other places as well. It is a sign of somebody's defeat of their humiliation. Isaiah chapter 49, starting in verse 22 Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and raise my signal to the peoples, and they shall bring your sons in their arms, and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens, your nursing mothers, with their faces to the ground. They shall bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet. Then you will know, that I am the lord those who wait for me shall not be put to shame so this is god's pronouncement on the serpent it is a pronouncement of his crime his sin against god the perpetual reminder of that a proclamation of defeat but it is also a reminder of the crime the sin against Adam and Eve, against all of mankind. One commentator put it like this, the serpent is responsible for the demise of the man who returns to the dust. And as dust is the serpent's diet, it will be a perpetual reminder of its crime. So from everlasting to everlasting, reminded of the crime of sin rebellion against God and the crime against mankind. Now, it also says this. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Enmity. It means hostility, hatred, or animosity. So there's going to be hatred, animosity between the woman and the serpent. Okay, let me ask you this. By a show of hands, how many like snakes? One? One. Okay, one. All right, that's fine. Two? Two? uh, Two. All right. Three? Three? Do I hear four? I feel like an auction. Four? Five? All right. Most of us don't like snakes, right? As a matter of fact, the top ten fears of people, you generally find snakes somewhere in the top ten just one of those fears. There seems to be, for most people, a natural inborn fear or even animosity towards snakes. It was famously pointed out in a movie. Snakes! Why did they have to be snakes? Indiana Jones. You remember that scene? I mean, it creeped people out. A pit of... People just don't like snakes. As a matter of fact, I believe it was in 1987, there was a professor, and he just wanted in Louisiana, and he wanted to find out how people would react to reptiles. So he put, he had a bunch of rubber reptiles, he had uh, a turtle, he had a snake, he had, and various other things, and he put them on the road to see what cars would do. Now, if you were a turtle, you did pretty well. People actually went out of the way to stop, pick up the turtle and move it to the other side in safety. They didn't know it was fake, right? If you were a snake, three times as many people actually went out of their way to run you over. One person actually ran over the snake, stopped, backed up, and ran over it again. A policeman drove by. He saw the snake, ran over it, backed up over it, and then got out with his revolver... And the professor said, no, it's just a fake snake. That's enmity, right? Hatred or hostility. And it's a very deep word. Hostility, hatred toward an adversary or enemy. It speaks of a very visceral reaction of one to another in which one wants to destroy the other. Does Hamas have enmity towards Israel? Yes. In their constitution, the forming of Hamas, they said one of the things we want to do is rid the, the world of Israel. They are bent on destruction. Destruction. If you take a look Ezekiel chapter 25 says this Thus says the Lord God because the Philistines acted revengefully and took vengeance with malice of soul to destroy in never-ending enmity doesn't that sound like Hamas right acted revengefully, took vengeance with malice of soul to destroy in never-ending enmity. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines. I will cut off the Cherethites and destroy the rest of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with wrathful rebukes. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. If you have been in Bible study at all and have gone anywhere in depth in the chapters, you will see the Lord's vengeance against Satan. It will be a full vengeance because of the hatred Satan has for God. So there is the curse on the serpent, but there's also the curse of sin or the effects of sin on mankind says this, You've got it a little truncated on your screen. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you in pain you shall excuse me you shall eat of it all the days of your life thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return so in the beginning of creation chapter 1 and chapter 2 God makes everything. He makes the heavens, the earth, the sea, the land, everything that inhabits them, the plants, the trees. The crowning of creation is with Adam and Eve. And with all, he said, it was good. It was good. And with Adam and Eve, he said, take care of this. Do what you will. Just do not do one thing. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they did. And in doing so, sin entered into the garden. And it was not good anymore. There was now pain that had entered into the garden. Pain that had entered into the world. You see... From sin, there was alienation from God. There was alienation from each other. There was shame, blame, misery. There was pain. They had lost the capacity to fully enjoy God's creation. A joyful marriage now became an unequal partnership. For women, childbirth and pain. That's one thing guys learn, to, learn not to say, right? Oh, I can understand how painful it must be. No, 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 no. You never say that to a woman no matter what, because it is pain above any other pain, right? As the saying goes, if men had to experience that pain, there would be no more children. <laughs> all the women are going, yeah, and all the, all the men are dutifully silent but there's not just the pain of childbirth right i mean there are effects on your body throughout your life from childbearing for man instead of just having the food now there would be toil there would be sweat there would be work to get the food there would be thistles now i grew up in the in minnesota in farming area and there what were what we called stinging thistles or stinging nettles. You ever experienced them? They hurt. They hurt badly. And there's another name that you might not know. Some of them are called the devil's plant. Because it really traces its root all the way back to the sting of sin and death in the garden because of the serpent. So where there was was this wonderful garden beforehand, now there are things that actually harm and hurt you. And it also indicates the spiritual state, because where do thistles actually grow? They normally grow really in poor soil, soil conditions, not great soil conditions. I mean, they can grow in both, obviously. So it even talks about the cursed ground now. So Adam and Eve themselves weren't cursed, but they felt the effects of that curse, of sin. Their very nature was changed now. Whereas they could joyfully experience communion with the Lord, right? Walking together in the garden, but now they they were hiding in shame because of that. Whereas before they could enjoy the Lord and his presence fully, now there were sinful desires, a separation between them and their creator. And this sin really filters down through all of us. Their spiritual DNA, if you will, was corrupted. And we have all then inherited That corrupted nature. It says this in Romans chapter 5 Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so spread to all men, because all have sinned. This is the state of Adam and Eve, and thus the state of all of us since the fall. And by the way, People reject this idea so fully. I'm actually having a little bit of a conversation on Facebook with a former classmate of mine who is not a believer and was offended that Jesus would save sinners. And we want to shift the blame. We want to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty decent person. It was my parents' fault. Right, it's always blame it on the parents. It was my parents' fault. It was my wife's fault. It was my husband's fault. It was my children's fault. It was the culture's fault. It's God's fault, right? They'll even go far and blame God on all of this. But the fact is, we are all in that condition because there's the curse on Satan, the curse of sin there, the curse of sin affecting all of us, all of mankind. But thankfully, remember our journey? Our journey doesn't stop there. It ends with the cure for sin in Jesus Christ. So, let's go. All right, we're going to go here. Verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So this particular section right here, Martin Luther thought was one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. Not just the Old Testament, but in the entire Bible. Why did he say it was one of the most important in the entire Bible? Because... In this verse, there's a promise that is made, a promise of redemption. It's often called the first gospel, and it's the starting point for all subsequent prophecy regarding God's redemption of mankind. So we're going to slow down a little bit on this one verse. It says, and between your offspring and her offspring. Here's where a study of language can be helpful. Because a more literal translation would be between your seed and her seed. However, our English still doesn't do well enough in helping us understand that. Just like in the South, you can say, y'all. And that's generally one person, right? All y'all is plural, isn't it? We don't have that in regular English. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose. I guess maybe I'm saying Southern isn't regular English. I don't know. But here, the uh, when it says between your seed, that would be all y'all. That's the plural. And that's designating many. So it's talking about the many offspring, or the many seed of the devil. Now, I'm not talking about some horror movie, you know, spawn of the devil, demon children, or something. That's not it. What is a child of the devil that is anyone who rejects Christ Jesus, who rejects God, and is in full rebellion against him? Before Christ Jesus, and before your faith in him, you were actually one of the devil. That's what it says in Scripture. In Scripture, Ephesians, Paul writes that we were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Or you, want, or you could say sons and daughters of disobedience. Jesus even said this, John chapter 8. You are, of the, you are of your father, the devil. And by the way, he's talking to Israelites here. He's talking to Jews. You are of the fa- your father, the devil, and your will is to do the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So the seeds of the devil... Are many. But as you can see on screen, when it speaks of her seed, the language is singular. It is not plural. So this means it points to one specific person, not persons. By the way, that's also clarified later on when it says, and he, one person, he shall bruise your head. So, who is it referring to? This is Christ Jesus. How do we know this? Well, you can do a lot of different studies, but most of the answers are there for you if you would look, and you let Scripture interpret Scripture. So, as a matter of fact, go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say offsprings referring to many, but to one, just like seed, one, and to your offspring who is Christ. And by the way, normally when we talk about men and women, it is women who have egg and men who have the seed. This is the only time in the Bible where the woman is said to have the seed. Well, there's more work you can do in that, but it really points to that Mary really was a virgin, and it was not a human father who fathered Christ Jesus. This is truly a miraculous conception. So you put all of this together, and you say, against all of the children of the devil, there is one, and his name is Jesus. And it says this, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is kind of hard to understand, so I'm going to give you a better sense of it. A better sense is he shall fatally bruise your head and you shall only bruise his heel. Or even in a more simpler manner, he shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the question is, well, was Jesus bruised? Well, yeah, he was bruised. Scripture says in Isaiah 53, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You know, it's pretty interesting when you go back to it. On the night before he was to be betrayed, he went somewhere and prayed. Where did he go? The garden, right? Boy, it comes full circle, doesn't it? He's in the garden. It's in the garden where the serpent tempted Adam and Eve, and they succumbed. Here, Jesus being tempted to not drink the cup that he was given to drink. And yet, He followed the Father's will. So there's a full circle here that we find in this story from Genesis all the way to Jesus, his cross, and ultimately his resurrection. And see, though we are dead in our sin, in our trespasses, though though we don't deserve it, He came to us. He paid the price for that sin. He fulfilled the promise all the way back from Genesis chapter 3. And in him, we aren't just a better person. We're a new creation in him. And we have the promise that death is not the final answer for us. That in him and him alone, we have the promise of eternal, everlasting life. That's the full arc of the Bible. That's the full arc of the Bible. That's the full arc of Lent. And that is actually the full arc of our faith in going from death to life. From no promise in sin to a full, secure promise in Christ Jesus. That's our journey. You see, on the cross and in the resurrection, Satan was defeated. His head was crushed. And so our journey tonight, remembering our sin and death, but having a secure, unfailing hope of life in Christ. Christ Jesus. And that is the good news this Ash Wednesday. Amen? Amen. In a moment, we will receive the Lord's Supper as we normally do We'll do it by procession, and then for those who want, we'll do individual cups. Uh, tonight, if you are, want communion brought to you, just raise your hand, and we will come to you tonight. Not a lot of people, so uh, if you want to do that instead of the cups, I'd be more than happy to do that as well. Our Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after they'd eaten and he'd given thanks, he took the cup. He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. The body of Christ. Shed for The blood of Christ shed for you. The blood of Christ.
1: To Jesus, I surrender all to him. Either. Make me Savior, make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit through
0: For those who are doing the individual cups and at home. The body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Having received his body and his blood. Be strengthened in your faith, knowing that through him your sins are forgiven. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with with you. Will you please stand as you are able? Let us pray as our Lord and Savior taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And our closing song tonight is Trust and Obey.
1: sheds on our way while we do his good will he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey not a burden toit he doth richly repay not a grief nor a loss not a frown nor a cross but is blessed if we trust and obey trust and obey for what is no other way to be happy in jesus but to trust and sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we Trust and,
0: and this evening, go in peace, praising God for what he has provided. Amen. Have a blessed evening.